Now, now turn with me tonight to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. going to read a few verses from the chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we'll read from verse 17. If you found a place, follow with me. Let's hear and see the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Amen. When the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text tonight is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17 and 18. It says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Now my theme tonight is to consider the preaching of the cross. And for those who have joined us, let me just point out, for the past five weeks, I've been preaching on the subject of considering the cross of Christ. And my first message was to consider the plan of the cross. I asked the question, who thought of the cross and when? 
And the answer, of course, is God did. God planned the cross of Christ from all eternity. The cross was therefore not a mistake. It was not an afterthought. It was not a secondary idea in the mind of God. The cross was planned by God long before the creation of the world. It was planned from all eternity. See, the Bible speaks of Christ as the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit entered into an agreement or an everlasting covenant. It's really known in theological terms as the covenant of redemption. Agreement between Father and Son that meant and involved the eternal Son being incarnated in the womb of the Virgin, assuming a true body, a body of flesh and blood, living a sinless life, dying an atoning death, rising again bodily from the dead, and returning to God the Father in a glorified body as the Savior of sinners. The cross of Christ was preordained before the world began. And in that covenant of redemption, God the Father gave God the Son a very important work to do, the work of securing eternal redemption for all who would trust him as Lord and Savior. And that's what we call the plan of the cross. The second sermon majored on the pain of the cross from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 and 5. We thought about the sufferings of the Lord Jesus as he died on the horrible death of crucifixion. We thought of his physical sufferings, the wounds that he bore in his body, his mental anguish, and his spiritual sufferings. And we said that no one ever suffered like the Lord Jesus did. You think of his death by the horrible means of crucifixion, a death reserved for the worst of criminals. And his death on the cross, therefore, was unique. It it stands out. The third message was all about the purpose of the cross. We asked the question, why did the Lord Jesus die? Remember, he said... One of his cries, it is finished. Of course, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Christ died for the ungodly, the Bible tells us. Christ died, remember, to secure and fulfill the plan of eternal redemption. That that work was promised. He undertook to do it before the world began. That work was a perfect work. He, he, he fulfilled it. He, he actually came in time and performed that work. In fact, he said, remember, tetelestai, and the word in the Greek is done, complete, finished. We then thought of the power of the cross. And I, I asked, what impact has the cross of Christ got on you or me as far as our lives are concerned? What impact? Effect has it got on a man or woman who's struggling with marital problems? or struggling with financial difficulties, or or struggling with rebellious teenagers? How does it help young people who are Christians at school? How, How does it help them in university or in the workplace? Has it any effect? Has it any impact? And, and of course, remember I told you that the cross of Christ is one of the most practical, powerful subjects in all of the Bible. It's really the, the Magna Carta of Bible-believing Christianity. It's fundamental and central to the Christian faith. And without the cross of Christ, remember, there is no good news of the gospel. 
We thought of the fact that the cross of Christ has the power of atonement and acceptance by God. That the cross is the power of accomplishment and assurance by God. It produces in us a spirit of thanksgiving, self-denial, brokenness for sin, and a spirit of victory. And glory to God, the cross is the power of achievement and acquittal. Because via the cross work of Christ, we have adoption into God's family. We have access to God in prayer. And via the cross, we have an advocate with the Father, a champion who argues our case in heaven. And last week we thought about the praise of the cross, Galatians 6 and 14. And we've sung that hymn, Jesus keep me near the cross, for a second time. Remember Paul delighted in the cross. God forbid, he said, that I should glory, save in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thought about the defense of the cross. Taking his full title, Lord Jesus Christ. We, we thought about the declaration of the cross. By whom the world is crucified unto me. And I unto the world. And tonight I want to add the sixth sermon called the preaching of the cross. If you look at verse 17, it mentions the cross of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.17. If you look at verse 18, it mentions it again. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Now, I want you to think of three things tonight, very, very simply. I want you to think of the centrality of the cross. You see, what is the central message that the church of Jesus Christ has in the 21st century to proclaim? And the answer is very simple. It's in our text. I've already alluded to it. The cross of Christ. Underline those words. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. The great Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the, the great prince of Baptist preachers, he, he preached to about 6,000 people from his early 20s in the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And someone tackled him one day, gone out of church, and said, You know, Mr. Spurgeon, you're always preaching the same message. Now, of course, Spurgeon preached hundreds or thousands of messages. I'm sure Dr. Greenfield, like myself, I have all of Spurgeon's sermons in um, a printed format. Uh, 3,500 of them, 63 volumes. I think there's 50 sermons in each. And every one of them, most of them, has a different text. So, so what did that person mean? You're always preaching the same message. And what they meant was this, you're always preaching about the cross. And he, of course, agreed with the woman and he said, you're right. In every text of scripture that I preach on, I make a beeline for the cross. Why? Because that's the church's message. The church's message is not just one of morality or one of ethics or one of social studies or social issues. It's not even one of environmental protection. Now, that's not to say that morality is not important or, or ethics is not important or even social issues like family and, and, and work and money and human government. It's not to say that they're not important or, or even the environment because the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But the central message of the Bible 
is the preaching of the cross. It's the fact that the Lord Jesus was born for sinners, lived for sinners, died for sinners, rose again for sinners, ascended for sinners, is coming for sinners. Listen to what Paul says by way of summary in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. There's a story told about Rabbi Duncan, who was the professor of the Free Presbyterian Church in Scotland, and this young man, I think he was um, either an ascension or just been newly ordained into the ministry and invited the old professor to come and hear him preach his first sermon. And at the end, he asked the old professor, well, well how did you think it did? And the professor said to him, well, it was well prepared. You had a good introduction. You had a proposition and a text. Your sermon was well structured. The text was well explained. You, you delivered it very well. But I'm sorry to tell you, your sermon had a damning effect in that congregation. And the young man, of course, was horrified, thinking, what's going on? And this is what Rabbi Duncan said to him, young man, you never got to the cross. And you see, the preacher must always get to the cross. Isn't that what Spurgeon told that woman? You're always preaching the same message. Why? Because he always made a beeline for the cross because that's the central message of the Bible. And every sermon, whether it's to do with ethical issues or moral issues or to do with family or to do with money or to do with human government, it all must be seen and told through the lens of the cross of Christ. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. Listen to what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in the verse 2. For I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying in Corinth, my task, my aim, my goal was to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you know, that's why the Free Presbyterian Church exists. That's why this church exists. And we need to be careful and we must maintain this central role of why we have a door open and invite people to come in for a Sunday service. There's a story told about one very strong evangelical church that had a sound pastor and uh, for many years faithfully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had a sign outside the door of the church and it said this, we preach Christ crucified. Well, over time, that pastor, of course, retired. And then, sadly, the church lost its passion for Christ, and it began to gloss over the central message, and it started preaching that Jesus was a good man, a good moral example for people to follow after. And they talked about the love of Christ and talked about his sacrifice. They talked about his compassion and 
how meek and gentle he was and encouraged people to, to be like him. Ivy grew over the front of the church and it grew and grew in such a way that if you were going in and looking up, you'll just see the words, now we preach Christ. And that's exactly what that church was doing. The spiritual temperature had dropped. And then over more time, it just was the words, we preach. And they left off preaching about Jesus and they started preaching about environmental protection and social issues and the needs for the working class and helping in the soup kitchen and, and so on and so forth. And they had nice religious sound bites that they were encouraging loads of self-esteem. They were giving people principles to live by. They were using the language of love and talking about grace and talking about care and concern, but it was all devoid of the true gospel of Christ. Then over time, it was just the words we. We. Do you see how a church could move? We preach Christ crucified and they ended up with just we. Like, like, like it was just a social gathering or, or, or just like any other club or, 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 or congregation of people. The central message is the message of the cross, the centrality of the cross. Now, if you look at our text again, I want you to see something else here. I want you to see the character of the cross. Because it says here, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect for the preaching of the cross. Now, you when it mentions the cross of Christ, it's not a reference to its shape. It's not a reference to its symbolism. It's not even a reference to the material wood that it would have been made of. I told you last week it was more likely a tree. But did you know that at Easter time past here in Northern Ireland, Little objects that were supposedly handmade of wood in the shape of a cross, things like a key ring, were given to individuals to aid their devotion. And individuals were told, if you feel tempted, if you feel trapped, if you're in trouble, then this is what we want you to do. Take it out of your pocket and we want you to hold on to it and that will help you. And as you think of Jesus, you'll get help. And when I heard that, I, I said, that, that, that's superstition. It was J.C. Ryle that said, whenever we heard or listened to the words of Paul for the preaching of the cross, he was not thinking about the wood of the cross. He was thinking about the work of the cross. And that's important. Lawrence made reference to that in prayer this morning at the communion. If you think of the film... The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson. I haven't seen it and I'm not encouraging you to watch it. I leave that to your own individual conscience. But did you know Mel Gibson, the director of that film, was a hater of Jews? He, along with his father, denied the Holocaust ever took place. Well, the man or the main actor that played the character of Christ in that film... In every scene, he had a piece of, allegedly, of the original wood of the cross. And he had that with him at all times, on his person. 
And it was supposed to help him and aid him in fulfilling this characteristic role of Christ. Did it help him? Not that I know of. I heard sometime after the film that the man actually died. Isn't it interesting? When we read our New Testament and the mentions made of the cross, the details of the crucifixion aren't really graphic. They're not particularly detailed. Yes, we know Christ was spat on. We know he was scourged and his flesh was left running red like a, a plowed field. In fact, he says, I gave my back to the smiters. We know he, he, his head was spiked with those crown of thorns. We know he was slapped and smitten with hands and with fists. We, we, we know that he, the, he was stripped of his clothes and we know that they stripped the hair from his face. We, we know that he was spiked to the tree by, by those rusty nails in his hands and his feet. But the emphasis was on the work that he was accomplishing there. Remember, we outlined that when we talked on Peter. Whenever he says in 1 Peter, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body in the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you're healed. The preaching of the cross, the character of it is, it's the cross of Christ. And it focuses on his person. It focuses on the work that that person was fulfilling. Who was Christ? He's the creator of the world. John 1 and 3. He created the wood that he was being nailed to. He created the iron for the nails. In fact, he created the hill outside the city walls of Jerusalem. Remember, he was God the Son, the God-man. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. He's the promised Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. You see, when we think of the preaching of the cross... Maybe you're thinking it right now. You're thinking of a preacher in the pulpit preaching the message of the cross and saying, of course, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And it means that. It includes that. But I want to tell you it means much more than that. You see this word preaching here? This word preaching in verse 18 means the word or the doctrine of the cross. It's translated doctrine or word. In other words, the cross on which Jesus Christ died is preaching and proclaiming a message to us. You see, let me make it clear tonight. The, the preaching of the cross is not a man died for what he believed in. That's the martyr theory. The preaching of the cross is not a man died to show us how to love or, or live a life of self-sacrifice. The preaching of the cross is not that God is merely a God of love, so, so you do your best to live and please God. The preaching of the cross is not merely to become a follower of Jesus. Do you know that there's evangelical churches tonight, not far from this church? And this is what they preach, that we're all on a journey. And come and join us in that journey and come be a follower of Jesus. And we're all at different stages in the journey. 
But, but come and start in this journey for heaven. I wanted, that's not the gospel. I'll never invite you to become a follower of Jesus because that's not the message of the cross. Let, let me just point out tonight, when you think about these words, for the doctrine of the cross, or for the word of the cross, that's a reference to Christ. Did you know that the message of the cross is a message about the nature and the attributes and the character of God himself? It takes in the doctrine of God. God is transcendent. God is imminent. God is sovereign. It's a revelation of who and what God is. It, it, the revelation of who and what God is climaxed in the cross of Christ. We, we see the wisdom, the love, the justice, the holiness, the wrath of God all meet together at the cross. It's a message about the doctrine of sin. The nature of sin is exposed. The, the condemnation of sin is explained. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We see sin in all its blackness, in all its ugliness, in all its depth. And if you want to understand something about sin, then you need to go near the cross. Why did Christ die? Christ died for our sins. There's the doctrine of sin. It's also a message about the love of God. Remember what Paul says there in the book of Romans. And we can't divorce it from the love of God. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The cross of Christ, as he died in his person and work, it it demonstrates and commends the love of God to us. You think of the love of God toward us, vile, guilty, hell-deserving sinners. You think of God's electing love for his people. You think of Paul saying, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Not only the love of God the Son, but the love of God the Father who planned all this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know what else? The cross is a, a, a message on the personal work of Christ. Because when I think of the cross, I think of his incarnation. He's dying there as the God-man. I think of his virgin birth. I'm thinking about his sinless life. A saviour who did no sin, who knew no sin, in whom was no sin. I'm thinking about his atoning death. I'm thinking about his victorious resurrection. He rose again because the death and the shedding of his blood satisfied divine justice and satisfied the holy wrath of God. And he was accepted because he had fulfilled the work that God the Father had given him to do. This horrible death of crucifixion. This death that was reserved for the worst of criminals. This this death that was an offense and scandal to talk about in Corinth. This was the central message that Paul brought to, to that place. He brought in the doctrine of God, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of the personal work of Christ, the doctrine of the love of God. This is what sin deserves. This is the sinlessness of Christ. This is a substitutionary work. This is the message of salvation. You see, we all must recognize 
who Christ is and what he did. Remember, it's salvation by Christ alone. You, you can't be saved by anyone else. You can't save yourself. Your church shall not save you. It's not your faith. It's not, I'll do this and do that. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. When you think of the preaching of the cross, just don't think about the centrality of the message. And let's seek to maintain that in the free church. But let's think about the character of the preaching of the cross. What, what's involved it includes all this that I've mentioned and much more. And think about one final thing. The call of the cross. Paul says, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Notice the word perish. Contrast that with the word saved. There's those tonight who are perishing. And there's those tonight who are saved. And the preaching of the cross is to them that perish. Well, this is foolishness. But to those who are saved, it's the power of God. And the word power there is dynamos, from which you get the word dynamite, the explosive energy of God. And tonight, as you come near the cross of Christ... The cross of Christ calls out to you. You see, the work that Christ performed is connected to the gospel that's proclaimed. The work connects the gospel to the cross of Christ. You can't divorce them. And Paul's priority was not to come to Corinth to baptize anybody, but was to, to preach the gospel that's centered in the cross of Christ so that sinners could be convinced that they are sinners, that they have a soul, that they need a saviour. And there's only one saviour of sinners and only one means whereby they can obtain salvation. Have you learned that tonight about yourself? Are you listening to the word of the cross? Have you been convicted tonight of your sin? Do you know, isn't there many tonight in Northern Ireland and they're brazen? And they're bold. Remember the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How could we say tonight that we have never sinned in thought and word and deed? How could we say tonight we've never broken the law of God? Or we're not under the judgment of God? You might not have committed murder, but having hatred in your heart towards someone else. Remember that sin. You might never commit adultery, but lusting in your heart towards another individual. That, 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 that sin. Remember Pilgrim, as we finish. He was leaving the city of destruction. He was convinced that he was perishing in that city. That he was going to die a horrible death of eternal damnation. But he had this burden. And he was convinced of his sin and convicted of it. And he wanted to be rid of the burden. And, and where did evangelists tell him to go? He told him to go to yonder light. And when he, when he went to there, he was directed to the cross. 
And it was only when he knelt at the cross that the burden rolled away. And we sometimes sing the little chorus, rolled away, rolled away, the burden of my heart rolled away. And it was only when that burden rolled away that that pilgrim really was converted and began to experience the joy and power of God's salvation. The tense when it says, but unto us which are saved is, I am saved. And I'm being saved from the power of sin. And glory to God, one day I'll be saved from sin's presence altogether. That's the cross of Christ. And the cross of Christ is speaking to you tonight. Is it foolishness to you? Or is it a message that you want to lay hold on with both hands and you want to bow the knee and you want tonight to receive Christ as Lord and Savior remember John says over there in John at chapter 1 and in the verse 12 he tells us but as many as received him to them give he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe in his name which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Can you hear the call of the cross calling you now? Wanting to convince you of your sin? Wanting to convict you? That you might be converted and, 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 and drawn into a close relationship with Christ so that you'll never perish? So that you'll be saved and have eternal life. Saved from its penalty, its power, its pleasure, and one day from its presence. That's the call of the cross. Are you listening tonight? Have you realized your need? The big question is, will you come to Christ? May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this evening.